Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth has seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, June, for reading. And as June began to read that psalm, you may have thought, haven't we already done this one? It is indeed similar to Psalm 96 that we had two weeks ago when Charles was preaching it does begin in the same way, but it is different, unique, as we will see. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jeremy, as Richard said, and I'm usually a member of the evening congregation, and it's very good to be with you and join you this morning. Please turn to page 603, if you haven't got it open in front of you, and let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word in the Bible. For the book of Psalms in particular. Thank you for what we've heard over these past couple of weeks from this book. Please show us this morning what you want to teach us through this one. Amen. Look at the heading if you've got the psalm open in front of you. It says Psalm 98, a psalm. No kidding. Not much scope there then for a learned discourse for me on who the writer was and the circumstances in which this was written. And that I think is intentional. It is a timeless psalm. Sing to the Lord a new song. Originally, this was it. This was the new song. Over the years, we've had various new versions of it. One that I remember, and some of you of a certain age may, was the one, Sing a New Song to the Lord by Timothy Dudley Smith. Anyone remember that one? It was written in, there we are, John does. Sing it to us. I, I could, but you probably, you probably wouldn't enjoy it. Um, 1973, that was written. It seems like only yesterday to some of us. Sing to the Lord a new song. Why? We'll come to that in a moment. First of all, how? We're going to jump right into the middle of this psalm. We're going to go to verse 4 first of all. This is to help me having to keep turning around all the time. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth burst into jubilant song with music. Make music before the Lord with the harp. 
and there is a random harp player that I found on the internet with trumpets again some random trumpet players and with the sound of the ram's horn now that's one you may not be familiar with but you can see there it was an actual ram's horn and there is a random ram's horn player oh but I've missed one out does anyone notice what I've missed I'm glad to see we've got some younger people um, people under 40 who are here with us this morning can any of the younger people notice which have I missed one out ways of making music to the Lord and we've got oh we've got a harp we've got trumpets a shofar there's another way that we can make music can you see it there in um, verse 5 with the harp and with anyone youngsters Sing. singing and I found a random singer on the internet there <laughs> for those of you watching on zoom who may not be that is uh, Kate but not Kate Bush but here in St Anne's we have a variety of different instruments um, not necessarily the ones there but can anyone else think of well we have we have stringed instruments don't we we may not have a harp I've seen a harp here but um, we have stringed instruments which other ones do we have we've heard one this morning anybody yes I, I was I was yes organ fine good I was thinking more that, that that's one, one one that you blow into mechanically but it must have strings as well but others as well we've had the guitar and we've had ones that you do that haven't we definitely and I think this is a good opportunity just to thank our singers and musicians who do such a great job in helping us to worship God together so let's just give them a thanks So shout for joy before the Lord the King. I'm just setting my clock here to make absolutely sure that I keep to time this morning. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the mountains sing together for joy. A bit of picture language there perhaps but if you think about it yes the rivers can clap their hands don't they they make that tinkling sparkling drippy sound as they're flowing along and the mountains sing together for joy so it's picture language or is it that's what we'll see later on can creation really make a noise let's see but why are we doing this look at verse 1 for he has done marvelous things that's the reason so far we've seen marvelous things celebrated through music and song but now let's have a look at what those marvelous things are sing to the Lord a new song for he's done marvelous things his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him now that's my right hand that's my arm not much to shout about I admit um, it has the advantage if I lock myself out of my flat I can reach through the letterbox and let myself in 
But when it talks about God's right hand and his holy arm, again, it's picture language. Your right hand and your arm were the one in which you would perhaps use one of these. Now, I don't think I can barely lift that. Is there anyone who'd like to show us how you would actually use one of these? Because I'm not sure I know how that works. Anyone like to show us to demonstrate? No? Anybody? Must be so. Yes, there we are. There's a young lady there. But you can show us how this works. There we are. And perhaps you might actually, there we are, exactly, there we are. you've got the idea. Well done, splendid. You've got the idea exactly. So does God do that sort of thing? Well, we'll see. What it says is, his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Or if you've got one of these, the Book of Common Prayer, have, has gotten himself the victory. The word is similar, salvation and victory. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He's remembered, verse 3, he's remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. Aha! Now we get a clue as to what this psalm might be about or why it was first written. Israel, that can be the person Israel, formerly known as Jacob. It can be the nation, the 12 tribes of Israel. Or it could be the northern kingdom, the 10 tribes who were exiled to Assyria. What it says is, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Well, how? Why? This was the world, the world as we knew it round about the time of Christopher Columbus. So we knew that we were there, but nobody else knew that we were there. And the people on the opposite corners, well, they knew that they were there, but we didn't know that they were there. This is the world, that bit there. That's the world as known to the people who wrote the Old Testament. That bit there. Now this psalm may be talking about the Exodus from Egypt. And yes, that was a event that involved victory. It involved God exercising his power and indeed the Egyptians lost their lives. That was partly a military victory on God's part. Interestingly, another psalm, Psalm 44, tells us it was not by their sword, the Israelites, that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your face, for you loved them. So it was God who did the fighting, if you like, for them. Here's another example later on where God brought some of the Israelites 
back from exile in Babylon, but that actually involved not a shot being fired. It wasn't a military victory. It was done actually through paperwork, through administration. God moved a heathen ruler to allow the Israelites to come back. That was Cyrus, and he was a Mede. He lived in the top right-hand corner there. And so no actual fighting was involved. It was a wonderful thing for the nation of Israel. And indeed, if you go to the British Museum, you can see that cylinder that mentions Cyrus's name. But as far as the rest of the world was concerned, they hardly knew that it was happening. So what is this actually all about? Did the ends of the earth really come to see the salvation of our God in the time of the Old Testament? Is the writer of this psalm perhaps over-egging the pudding a bit? Has he got rather an over-inflated opinion of his own nation? Have the ends of the earth really heard all about this yet? What we've got here, I think at this stage, is the marvellous things not only celebrated, but so far anticipated. There's more to come. Here's the world, just a little bit later on. The known world, the world known to those who are writing the history books. Oh look, we're there, in the top left-hand corner. They knew about us now. We were just about to be conquered by the Romans. Those of you who happen to come from the bit just off the top, yeah, we haven't forgotten about you. The Romans did build a wall across there, but eventually you would be allowed in as well. And so this message that was about to be revealed, through God's wisdom, would be able to spread throughout the whole world. We're going to look at, did you miss it? That tiny bit just there, that bit there, this bit here, Judea, Samaria, and Galilee. And in particular, this city here, Jerusalem. There it is in the time that we're now looking at. Somewhere in amongst that lot is a temple, a palace, and a fort. And the archeologists are still arguing about which bit is which. Most of it had been built under the leadership of this guy, Herod the Great. But he has now gone, and he's been succeeded by one of his sons, this guy, Herod Antipas. And he reckons that he's in charge of this particular part of the world. He's the Tetrarch, ruler of the fourth part, one quarter of Judea, Galilee and Perea. But someone else is about to come into Jerusalem, someone with greater power than Herod, someone with greater authority. He's made very careful arrangements to make sure that everyone knows who he is and why he's come. Here he is. Anyone like to suggest who that might be? One of the young people? Yeah, I can see a hand go up straight away. Very close, very close indeed. The young lady said Caesar. 
It's not Caesar himself, but his local representative. You're very, very close. He looks like Caesar. He probably wants to look like Caesar. He is a Roman, but he is the local ruler in this particular part of the world. You know who that is? He's the local administrator. There we are. It's Pontius Pilate, believe it or not. And he is making absolutely sure that everyone knows that he's in charge. He's got his standards and banners, a sizable group of soldiers, and he's saying, I come in peace if you know what's good for you. But someone else is about to enter Jerusalem as well. He also has made very careful preparations to make sure that it goes exactly as he wants it to go. And all four of the Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, tell us what happened now. The people were calling out, Hosanna to the son of David, Matthew tells us that. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All four writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. That's Luke. Blessed is the king of Israel. That's Luke and John. Hosanna in the highest heaven, Matthew and Mark. And interestingly, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. That's Mark. Not everybody agrees with this. These guys have arrived on the scene. And they say, teacher, rebuke your followers. Tell them to stop. Do you remember what Jesus said in reply to them? Can you remember what he said? He said this, that if they're quiet, the very stones will cry out. What Jesus is saying is, and maybe he was not exaggerating, that if the people had not been calling out his praises, then the very stones of the ground would have called out. Creation itself would have called out because what was happening now was so exciting, so fantastic. And Jesus has come not riding on a war horse, but riding on, now, here's, can anyone tell me what, what he's riding on? Someone else? What's the creature he's riding on? Not a war horse, like Pilate. It's a donkey, it's a donkey. Which seems a fairly random thing to do. Just does Jesus look dignified? Does he look comfortable? Does the donkey look comfortable? There's someone here I know who will tell you that donkey is not a comfortable donkey. Is he Vince? He does not look comfortable. So why is he doing this? The Gospel writer tells us, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Zechariah. Say to daughter Zion, that's Jerusalem, see your king comes, riding to, comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt the foal of a donkey. Gentle, not necessarily humble, gentle is the right word. Jesus knew exactly who he was and why he had come. And he had made very careful arrangements to come on this donkey because he was fulfilling a prophecy which was about him. What he was doing was either very wacky, very 
peculiar, or if he was claiming to be God and wasn't, then it was a very bad thing to do. But if he was who he claimed he was, he had every right to be doing what he was doing. As C.S. Lewis puts it, mad, bad, or God. As Jesus looked down at that donkey as he was riding into Jerusalem, here's another one for the young people. How many of you have seen a donkey? Some have. Now, as Jesus looked down at the donkey's back, what would he have seen on the back of the donkey? Do you know? Exactly. He would have seen this, this mark, which God in his wisdom, this simplest and humblest of animals has this privilege of bearing this mark. A foretaste of what was to come. And over the hours ahead, it would have looked as though anyone but Jesus was in charge. As you know, if you read the Gospel accounts, he was passed back and forth between four people. There was the high priest, Caiaphas, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, and Herod Antipas. Each of them thinking that they were in charge. In fact, Pilate said, don't you know I have the power to release you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me at all if it were not given you from above. But this appeared to be the outcome. It was the outcome, and that appeared to be it. And yet, on the third day after that happened, a couple of Jesus' followers were speaking with someone who they didn't yet realize was Jesus, and they say this, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And later that same day, this happens. Jesus appears to them as they're meeting. And he proves that it's him. He proves that he's alive by eating the piece of fish that they offer him. And what Jesus says is this. This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. In other words, the whole of the Old Testament, but what we now know as the Old Testament, including the Psalms, like the Psalm we're looking at this morning. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what's written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. So this was the start of the fulfillment of this and other Psalms. Jesus is saying the Psalms, this one included, were about him. At first, his disciples did not understand all this, John tells us. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. So we see now, in Jesus, these marvelous things are revealed. 
Now our time is almost at an end. What I just want to remind you is that there is more to come. We've seen things revealed in Jesus in the Old Testament, and yet our psalm has one more verse. Look at the very end one there. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity, with fairness. So that's just a reminder that Jesus will come again. And remember this verse, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And those two messages are not always comfortable words. When we have the communion service, we have the comfortable words. These are not necessarily always comfortable. That Jesus is the only way, salvation is found in no one else, and there is judgment to come. Jesus warned about that probably more than he spoke about anything else. And basically his message was, you don't want to be on the wrong side. So as I close, let's just pray for those who do preach this message. It's a sobering thought. You know that I give historical talks. And if I tell you that, oh, if you go up the Limehouse Cut, you'll come to the Olympic site. And that owes its origin to King Alfred, his defences against the Danes. Well, it doesn't really matter if that's true or not, does it? For goodness sake, you might say, well, old Jeremy's just telling us a story. It's not really true. But if I stand here and tell you that there are many ways to God, doesn't really matter what you believe, you have your own beliefs, and it doesn't really matter. That is extremely dangerous. I am doing you no favours at all. Please pray for me. I'm about to go off and do a course to help me to do this sort of thing more effectively. Please pray for those of us who preach that we will deliver the right message, the true message, that Jesus is the only way and that there is judgment to come and that if we put our trust in him, then judgment is nothing for us to fear. I must close, my time is over, but that's just our summary. Marvelous things celebrated, marvelous things anticipated, marvelous things revealed in Jesus, and marvelous things still to come.